welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Today, we had to do it to you guys. We cannot stop sipping on Brute Point coffee. <laughs> we can't I be stopped. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about something about the branding, the packaging, and the coffee itself, just like every single aspect. Just it really does it for me. Guys, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but I finished the coffee bar, right? So I like yes. what would you call this? Deep I, it's not makeup, so it's not depotting, but like I depotted all the co- coffee grounds into like little containers. And ever since we built this thing, I've been drinking nothing but brew point coffee because it goes so well with we have like a bunch of little like coffee syrups like it's a whole starbucks whole whole thing going on here the flavors just go so well with any syrup combination so it's so good so i'm looking at right now the stargazer is like my favorite and it's a dark roast which is wild that's what I was literally going to say when it's so you started good. talking about your coffee bar. I had to order more Stargazer because not only am I obsessed with it, my husband was like, this is really yummy coffee. And he's so- only said that about Oh, is that the coffee. yummy coffee or is that the the Phil's it's one? It's second yummy coffee. So okay. His, first, <laughs> his original yummy coffee was the Phil's, but he also said that the Stargazer was yummy coffee. So we have two yummy coffees. So – we had to do it to them. It's delish. And if you're not a dark roast person, the Naranjo is another one that I've been sipping on. I think it's medium, but it's so good. Everything from Brewpoint, we need to try some more flavors. I'm going to have to – I'm like almost out of them now, so definitely going to need to be ordering. And guys, please give us coffee recommendations. Coffee brands, send us some coffee. I need to fill this bar up. <laughs> I am. Um, I did just get back from Asheville and I went to a few different coffee places there and I didn't want to buy coffee from there as I was there because I was like driving home and I just like didn't want to bother with it. But I went to High Five Coffee, which was delicious. So we might have to order some of these online now. Uh, Trade and Lore Coffee was amazing. And then I think the last one I went to, oh no, I didn't actually go to this one, but I was at a brewery and the guy, Mike, that was working there, he has a friend who owns or runs High Noon Coffee and he literally brewed it and it was black coffee. He just made it cold and I drank it and it was delicious and I'm not a black coffee girly. And the fact that I drank two testers of black coffee means that that was some good shit. I'm intrigued. You've sold me. I definitely want to try that. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% ordering that one because I could not. I felt bad. I I pretty much drank his old service of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help it. He kept asking if I wanted more, and I just kept saying yes. (laughs) Guys, what kind of coffee do you drink? Do you just like your, like, plain coffee, like cream and sugar? Or, like, give me some recipes because I've been making, like, caramel macchiatos and they've been delicious, but give, give me some ideas. I'm trying to get creative up in here. Yeah, whatever you made that um, we had the, on the Crime on Caffeine Instagram story the other day, it looked incredible. Oh, that's so amazing. Jelly. 
is a Starbucks drink that is discontinued. You still can order it, but it was the coconut milk mocha macchiato. All you do is ormal a caramel macchiato iced, and then you get caramel drizzle on the top. It's so good with coconut milk, obviously, but yeah, delish. That sounds fantastic. So good. Um, So yeah, thank you guys so much. We're about to hit 16,000 downloads. So thank you guys for still listening. Oh my God, excuse me. Listening to our episodes and supporting us. We really appreciate you guys. And we're glad that you're still sticking with us and you're enjoying everything. I think we're approaching our one year anniversary over here. So I don't know, maybe we'll do like a little giveaway or something, something fun, something for the girls. And fresh. And for the boys that listen, (laughs) something for everyone. We know that we like skew very female, but there is some boys up in her. Shout out to our two guys, <laughs> Nate, <laughs> literally Nate, and like some of his random friends who like religiously listen. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all I know is that my one friend Jack listens, and he's just—he's my only male supporter. <laughs> loyal, loyal. <laughs> um, but what was I just? Oh, sometimes when we run our Instagram ads for the show. I'll look at like the audience demographic and it's like 99% male, like 1% female. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I know you don't want to say that. <laughs> you don't. I know that. <laughs> but we also saw that we're getting a lot of buzz in India. So shout out to all of our listeners over in India. That's so cool. Thank you Shouts guys so much out. for listening. We're glad that you're enjoying the show. Anytime I see worldwide girlies, I'm like, listen here. I love you. I love that. It's I so can't, cool. I just can't contain myself. Listen, love my America girlies, but worldwide, like, I feel like Pipple. Pipple. <laughs> we, we are Mrs. Worldwide. <laughs> I want to do some more international cases, but I don't want to do something that's to like the Ted Bundy of an international case. Like I don't want to do something everyone has heard a million times. So like let us know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. International girlies and guys and gals and girls everyone. (laughs) All of our international peoples. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I tried to find some international cases recently while I was researching my cases and I haven't found any that like really stuck out to me. So if you guys have any recommendations, uh, that would be super duper appreciated. I have an Australian case, but it's like really weird and I don't know how to mm. classify it. So I have to figure it out. I don't know. I feel like I need your opinion, but I also don't want you to know the case. So, okay. So basically a family was missing so and then they weren't. So like, how would you classify that? They were missing and then they weren't, and nobody knows what the fuck happened. <laughs> we can call that one. Everything's okay now. <laughs> All good now. Just nobody knows what the hell happened. But today we will be sticking with the good old United States of America. We actually have a case that is from DC. Doesn't get more American than that. Ooh, doesn't it? So this is a case that. There was just like a media frenzy around it in 2001. This case happened in May of 2001. But then 
9-11 happened and all of the coverage just died down. So very, very interesting, very frustrating case. Yeah. Let's dive in. I'm ready for that. So this is the case of Chandra Levy. Chandra Ann Levy was born April 14th, 1977 in Cleveland. Represent. Um, To her parents, Robert and Susan, she also had a younger brother named Adam. So they weren't in Cleveland for too long. Their parents ended up moving them out to Modesto, California when they were kids. And she went to high school there, graduated, and got her degree in journalism from San Francisco State University. And, you know, she was super smart, super good at school, and definitely was doing the most to get where she wanted to be in life. She interned for the California Bureau of Secondary Education and then also interned for the mayor of Los Angeles, Richard Riordan. And then after this, she decided to pursue her master's in public administration at USC, and her dream job was to work for the FBI. So smart girl, had so much going for her, just like super ambitious and successful and hardworking, clearly. So she went to USC for grad school, like I said, and during her final semester, she actually managed to land an internship with the Public Affairs Division of the Federal Bureau of Prisons in D.C. So she actually had a really cool job. Um, She assisted the media with handling the coverage of the Timothy McVeigh case. He was the Oklahoma City bomber. So that is like an insane job. So cool. That's like kind of what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, but here we are. <laughs> but yeah, so really <laughs> awesome. She was doing this. She lived in DC and then she was due back home to USC. Her graduation was May 11th. So she was just working this like for her last semester. She was 24 years old. She was intelligent and just like truly accomplishing everything that she dreamed of. Like she very easily could work for the FBI after um, landing this internship. It's just amazing. So in September 2000, she was visiting D.C. with her parents. This is like right before she started the internship. They were apartment hunting, and that's when she ended up moving there full time. It was like the middle of September. And then she didn't go back home until Thanksgiving, but she was catching up with her family, and she actually told her aunt about this man who she'd been seeing since she moved to D.C. And then at the end of the dinner, she admitted that the man was actually a congressman for her district back at home in California. Obviously lived and worked in D.C., but yeah. So after moving to D.C., basically what happened was Chandra and her friend, who was a fellow USC classmate, met California Congressman Gary Condit. They were like touring like the buildings in D.C., and they managed to go to his office and meet him, and he was super charming, like took photos with them, and even offered Chandra's friend a job in his office. Like he was super cool. And Wow. I guess they kept in touch because by November, she'd been spending several nights a week at his home. Like, they were literally having a relationship. But it was secret because he was married. So he was 30 years older than her, and he had two kids with his wife named Carolyn. So obviously, he wanted to keep it a secret, but she was one of those people that was just like head over heels so excited that it was like hard for her to not talk about it to her friends and family. So. She, like I said, she told her aunt and she did tell like a few of her close friends about the relationship and that he was planning on leaving his wife for her. Oh boy. That's like a tall tell sign. I'm going to leave my wife for you. I swear. Spoiler alert, guys. They're never leaving their wife for you. (laughs) 
Especially if they have kids. Never. Um, So Chandra actually ended up being terminated from her internship the spring right before she was set to return to California for graduation because her academic eligibility had expired, which is kind of weird. Like you'd think that they would make it last until the end of the semester. I don't know. Kind of weird, but – So her last day at the internship then was April 23rd, 2001. And then, like I said, she was set to graduate on May 11th. So she emailed her landlord and was like, hey, listen, I need to end my lease early. My job ended abruptly. She was also like, I have no real reason to stay around here, which is interesting because, you know, she was in a relationship. You think that, I don't know, she would have some reason to stay there, but just so happens the same day. Condit's wife arrived in DC and they started spending all this time together. So I was kind of thinking that maybe the relationship ended and then she was like, okay, I have no job. I have no boyfriend. I'm going to go back home. Yeah. Um, Not confirmed, but that's just kind of what it's sounding like based on this. So then on April 29th, Chandra called her aunt and left a message saying that she had to speak with her about something important. Her aunt didn't hear back from her though. This is the same day that Condit told police that he'd last spoken with Chandra. So their communication stopped um, at the end of April. So that's why I was thinking, like, they definitely broke up here. Um, And he just, like, spent the night, like, getting groceries, cooking dinner with his wife after, like, a day of shopping. Like, they were doing all the things together. And then the following day, she canceled her gym membership in preparation to head home. And then the next day was May 1st. She emailed her parents some flight info to get back home and this is the last form of communication that she had with her parents oh shit the following day chandra's landlord tried to call her to see when she was leaving and didn't get an answer this was kind of weird because the landlord said that she was so good about being really responsive to any like calls or messages or anything like that so he just followed up by email on may 3rd and like i said he was kind of concerned because she's super responsive normally but Days go on and well into the next week, nobody's heard from Chandra. So her parents are super worried. They call the apartment complex and ask them to go into her apartment to see if she was there and everything was good. But they said legally they weren't able to do that. And it had been five days since they'd heard from her. And she was supposed to already be home for graduation at this point. It was like May 6th. So on May 6th, her parents called the police department to do a wellness check and they start going through Chandra's phone records and they see one number stand out that she had repeated contact with, Gary Condit. And Chandra's aunt confirmed to the family and to police that Chandra told her that she was having a relationship with him. And so Chandra then calls Gary Condit and asks him if he knows anything. And of course he is denying any claims of the affair, doesn't know anything. He's absolutely no help. So the family's like, whatever. And they tell police about the affair, tell that he's like denying it and that he's not being any help so that hopefully they can try and get some answers out of him. The next day, Condit's office actually helped push for a reward to find help find Chandra. Police also took another look around her apartment and they did not find any signs of foul play. And the only items that were missing were her keys and like a ring that she wears every day. So, like, her cell phone was still there. She had all of her belongings packed, like, suitcases ready to travel home. Dirty dishes were still in the sink. Things that told investigators that, like, she planned on coming back. So, the next day was May 10th and – right? 
so fishy. The next day was May 10th. Conda and the Levy family came together with a $25,000 reward. And then Condon's campaign donated an additional 10K with the message, Chandra is a great person and a good friend. We hope she's found safe and sound. So he's definitely trying to push. I knew her from work. She's a good person. Like I'm trying to be a guy and help find her, but I had no involvement with her romantically, like still pushing that narrative, denying all the allegations. Of so the following course. week is like, right, the middle of May, cadaver dogs were used to search for any sign of Chandra and Condit is questioned by the police and once again tells them she's a friend. She would visit his home from time to time, but once again, denying any mention of the affair. So this is where the news just goes insane and news articles about the affair start coming out. He's denying everything. The family is begging him to cooperate. They're like, look, we don't care. Like nobody cares at this point, but if you know something that would help find our daughter, please help us. Mm -hmm. And then news of other women that he had affairs with start coming out. So (gasps) it's not looking good for him. There was like an – yeah, there was a United Airlines flight attendant named Anne Marie Smith who came forward saying that she also had an affair with him. And his office asked her to sign an affidavit lying about the affair and saying that it never happened. Oh, bitch, you just got caught. Yeah, and there were a few other affairs that came to light um, later on, but we'll get into that. So, media frenzy. It's July now. He's had three interviews with the police at this point. He finally admits to the police that he had an affair with Chandra. It took all of this, but police search his apartment. They get his DNA. He takes a private lie detector test that he passed. I, I'm i not going to – nothing should be based off of that regardless of whether the FBI administered it or not, but they were yeah. like kind of annoyed that he didn't take it with them. And at this point, this is when another affair comes to light. And once again, his office is accused of pressuring another woman. Her name is Jolene McKay. She was a former staffer in his office. They pressured her as well to lie about the affair. So it's just, it's really not looking good for him. His poor wife. Yeah, his poor wife. And having her come down to DC like that week of everything, just like trying to like yeah. make things better, it's just not not good but the rest of the year they're really were like fishy it does and i remember just seeing people talking about how because obviously this is all right before 9-11 they were just saying how like the news coverage that summer was literally only about gary condit or shark attacks i guess there were like a lot of shark attacks that summer but they said that like this is all you would ever hear (laughs) the rest of the year there were really no leads on Chandra, everyone was just kind of freaking out about Gary Condit and like his affairs and just trying to connect it there, even though there's no evidence he had anything to do with her disappearance. Condit announces that he would seek re-election and he does his first interview with, I think it was Connie Chung, and he denies any involvement in her disappearance. Um, he doesn't really speak to the affair, but he does end up losing his seat in Congress as he should have. I saw so many articles being like people connecting him to her disappearance ruined his career. No, he did that himself. This stuff would have come out either way. Can't can't be having affairs and stuff. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So on Wednesday, May 22nd, 2002, so this was just over a year after Chandra was first reported missing, human remains were found in Washington's Rock Creek Park. 
and they mm. were confirmed to be that of Chandra Levy. No. So let's think about this. This is a whole year and then a couple weeks on top of that since she died. So not not very easy to figure out what the cause of death was here. It was ruled a homicide, but it had just been way too long. They had nothing to determine cause of death. There was no evidence or DNA that could pinpoint anything really. Yeah. Was she in the water when they found her? No. So this is where you're going to get mad. Okay. Um, so do you remember when I said that they had cadaver dogs searching in the woods? Yeah. It was July. So it was roughly two months after – I think it was it was July or like right before July. So they searched Rock Creek Park. But there was some miscommunication within the department on the radius of the park they were supposed to be searching. And so they were supposed to search where her body was found and didn't. So they could have Good. found her body – so much sooner, 10, 11 months sooner. If we love um, a good miscommunication situation. Yeah. So that definitely would have changed this entire case. I feel like just very like, how do you, how do you mess that up? Yeah. And they could have probably gotten some kind of cause of death. If her body Mm -hmm. had been found sooner, she's sitting there freaking decaying. How the hell are we going to find out anything? 100% you are correct. They found some personal items like a sports bra, sweatshirt, leggings, sneakers, and her remains were found about four miles from her apartment was this part of the park she was in. So although they couldn't determine the exact cause of death, she did have damage to, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, her hyoid bone, which is like a bone in the upper neck. So they were thinking that maybe she could have been strangled, but there still wasn't enough for them to come to a conclusion about that. It's not like they could see like bruising or anything. So yeah, very disappointing. There is something that I want to say. I do not want it to look like this story only involved Gary Condit because it didn't. The man was never charged. So I don't want us to like sit here hypothesizing like, oh, he had an affair. He definitely had something to do with it. And I think it's important to note that at the end of the day, Gary Condit did not want anyone to know about his affair or any of the affairs he was having. And her disappearance only brought that to light. So I don't think that he ever had it in his mind like, oh, I'm going to get rid of her so no one finds out. Clearly, if he were to do that, everyone would find out, which was what was happening. Just so happens it wasn't his fault for it happening. But wait, so you think that he like she could have been pissed off about his wife showing up and said like i'm going to tell her everything and he wouldn't have done anything i don't really think that happened because i i don't know i want to think from chandra's point of view that she was just like so you know when you have like a crush or something on someone and you just like can't see past any of the bullshit like love is blind whatever so i think mm-hmm. she was just like so excited and thinking that he was going to leave his wife, that she like trusted that he was handling it and whatnot. I don't know. But I also think that maybe they might have broken up before his wife came. So then she was just like, whatever. But I just – I don't think – we're going to get into another person, but – you know, it just blew up because he was a congressman and, you know, you always hear stories about like – Oh, yeah. 
you know, they, you hire a hitman because you don't want anyone finding out about this or we'll get into some like rumors and things like that later on. But it definitely, yeah, definitely looked like he did it for a while and, and, and then something happened. So let's talk about Uh-oh. it. <laughs> so we're going to back up to her disappearance just a few weeks later. So this was um, still May of 2001. While they were still searching for her, they were also hunting a serial predator in the Rock Creek Park area, which is where her body was found. So just weeks after her disappearance, two women had been jogging in the park. These were isolated incidents, like not – this didn't happen at the same time. But both okay. of them had been attacked by a man and dragged off the trail and held at knife point. So the man that was arrested for these attacks was a construction worker named Ingmar Guandique. Um, he was an undocumented construction worker who came over here from El Salvador. So he tried to say it was an accident and that he like just bumped into him, into them. But I don't know how you have two separate people saying he attacked me, dragged me off the trail, held me at knife point. Like that's not, it doesn't sound like bumping into someone. Yeah. Not a, not a accident that happens more than once typically. <laughs> He was shown a picture of Chandra, and he said he'd seen her in the park before. So, But in September, an informant for the D.C. police – so this is like September after they found her body. An informant for the D.C. police told his lawyer that Guandique was paid by Gary Condit to kill Chandra Levy. But these allegations were immediately dismissed, um, but they were like continuing to look into him. And they realized that he didn't come into work on May 1st, which is when Chandra went missing. And he also had a bunch of like bruises and scratches on him in the days following that. Sounds suspicious. Sounds suspicious. So unfortunately, the case did go cold for years until there was a new chief of police in town named Kathy Lanier. And she ended up reopening the case in 2006. Which I feel like women always come in and save the day. Like, I feel like that's a pattern we've seen with some of our cases, with cold cases it's at least. just because women are better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. You're right. So she reopened it in 2006. And two years later, a photo of Chandra, like from a newspaper article or like something like that, was found in Guandique's cell. Why mm. did you cut that out, sir? What, what's the fascination? That? Excuse me. But he was he was there serving 10 years for the attacks on the other two women. And witnesses also stated that they heard him speaking on the attack. So on April 22nd, 2009, Guandique was charged with murder in the first degree of Chandra Levy. And he was indicted on a total of six counts. So kidnapping, first degree murder, committed during a kidnapping, attempted first degree sexual abuse, First-degree murder committed during a sexual offense, attempted robbery, and first-degree murder committed during a robbery. He pleaded not guilty to all counts. (laughs) I know. (laughs) His trial was set for January of the following year, but ended up being moved to October. I guess they just had some, like, issues getting some evidence. So October 2010 is what we were looking at. So the biggest link here – for Guandique in this case was his cellmate being a star witness saying that he'd spoken to him about his crimes against Chandra, which is so insane to think that that is what they have to go off of is a literal prisoner who is like, they're, they're going to say whatever they feel like they need to say to help them, you know? So 
Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. No, but the defense called another witness who was also a cellmate of theirs and said that in the three months that he lived with this man, he never heard anything about Chandra from Guandique. Um, I do want to preface a few things, though. So Guandique and the cellmate that says that he confessed his crimes, they both speak Spanish. And this witness that's coming in saying he never heard anything did not speak Spanish and said that he didn't involve himself in conversations between the two men when they were speaking Spanish. He also mentioned that he was recovering from a gunshot wound during their time housed together. So a lot of the times he was like sleeping or listening to music with headphones on. So if there were confessions made, easily could have been missed by this person. But I just, I don't know. It's really hard for making a case when you have no evidence. And it's really unfortunate that they very well could have had evidence had the body been found when it was supposed to be found. So they also had the two women he attacked testify explaining their stories, which definitely played a large role in the jury's decision. Just seeing, you know, they're establishing a pattern that this guy does this to women in these parks that are doing the same exact thing Chandra was doing. Um, Due to that statute of limitations, though, prosecutors did have to drop the attempted robbery and attempted kidnapping charges. So they were left with first-degree felony murder as a result of kidnapping and first-degree felony murder during an attempted assault slash robbery. Jury deliberations began in November of 2010. So basically, the jury had to prove felony murder, which could only be proven by proving kidnapping and proving assault. So... After two days, all jurors had voted to convict Guandique except for one juror who asked the judge to define assault. And that would like help them base their decision because felony mm-hmm. murder is just a murder that took place while a felony was being committed. So like someone dies in the process, even if you didn't like go up to them and kill them, they just died in the process and it's your fault. But you have to prove the first charge in order to prove okay. that. So the judge said that assault is defined as any physical injury, no matter how small. And on November 22nd, they found him guilty on both counts. Woo! Boom, bitch. So in February, Guandique's team requested a new trial on the grounds of two things. They said there was juror misconduct. They also said that the prosecutors made an inappropriate closing argument. So they were claiming that one of the jurors used another juror's notes in order to make his decision. I think he like forgot his notes at home or like some shit like that. And so he had to look at somebody else's notes, which like wasn't allowed. Okay. Um, And then according to NBC Washington, the case for like the inappropriate closing argument, they said that prosecutors improperly appealed to the jury's emotions and facts that weren't part of trial evidence in making a graphic final statement. They said it was as if the prosecutor were narrating a horror movie with its tricks of foreshadowing to whip up fear in the audience. But this was not a movie. It was supposed to be a trial during which the jury clinically evaluated the facts, which totally understand that. But I also feel like closing arguments is like the only part of the trial where you do play on emotion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really I don't get know. where he's coming from on that one, but. I mean, yeah, at this point, they're just pushing for anything. But the prosecution basically called bullshit and they opposed a new trial. So they were seeking a life sentence for Guandique and they stated that he would forever be a danger to women and that he always has been. And they spoke to his time in El Salvador before he fled to America. And they said that he fled because he attacked a woman at knife point in his village there. So 
They were saying, clearly this man has a pattern of violence against women. And they also noted his behaviors while being incarcerated, stating that he masturbated in front of female guards and he also (laughs) propositioned a staff nurse, which I wanted to know exactly what that meant. I don't know if I'm stupid for not knowing what this means, but that basically just means making a suggestion of sex to someone with whom one is not sexually involved, especially in an unsubtle or offensive way. So he just tried to make a move on her. Yeah. And, but I think like worse than that. Like in a gross way. Yeah. And like an explicit way, not just being like, yeah, we should hang out being like, no, I definitely don't think that's how he went about it. (laughs) We should know. So a little more forward than that. Yeah. They're showing this man has a clear pattern of just violence and aggression and inappropriate behavior towards women. And that's why they were stressing for a life sentence. They were like, he gets out. He is going to continue doing this. He's been like this since he was born. And his motion for a new trial was dismissed and he was sentenced to 60 years in prison. Almost immediately after that, though, his defense attorney appealed his sentence So this is a really long process. I think in D.C., Maryland, wherever, I think the average is 581 or 88 days or something like that. So appeals take so long, especially if there's more than one, which often there is. Obviously, he's still in prison as this is happening, but definitely pushing for the appeals here. So between the years 2012 and 2013, this is really interesting, but the judge in the case was having secret meetings behind closed doors regarding the case and the appeal. And it was never released what occurred during these meetings. And it was really weird because like, I found a ton of sources on it, but a lot of the pages were gone. And then the few that I did find that were still there, just nothing was released on what happened during the meetings. But in 2015, the prosecution dropped their opposition for Guandique to be granted a new trial in June. So that meant, okay, yeah, fine. He can have a new trial. So then in June, he's granted a new trial. And listen to how crazy this is. So in July of 2016, the charges against him were dropped. Because according to CNN, federal prosecutors said that they could no longer prove a case against Guandique. Because it turns out this woman had been hanging out with the witness that went on the stand, like that like wasn't really credible or whatever. She was hanging out with him, like he was talking about his time in prison and everything, and she was really sketched out, didn't really trust him. She was like, I'm just gonna start recording our conversations. So she <laughs> starts recording, and it's a good thing she did that because she picked up the star witness admitting to lying on the stand about the confession. So That was the grounds for all the charges being dropped. They literally, without that, had nothing to hold on him, and that was barely enough as it is. So he ended up being deported in 2017, and that's really the end of that. So he's not in jail for the crime? He's not. Charges were dropped, and he's deported, which, I mean, was probably, like, best-case scenario because you can't, like, retry him, so he would just be, like, chilling free in America. Okay. Do you think that the star witness really did lie about it and that Guandique did do it or you don't think he did? Um, I think Guandique did it. I just – it's there's way too many com- coincidences. Um, who knows if he admitted anything to the cellmate or not. Obviously, they're just going to do what prosecutors tell them. But at the end of the day, I don't think that alone is enough evidence 
they needed some kind of like physical evidence they're linking him. And unfortunately, because of when the body was found, they just don't have that. So I just don't think there was ever a chance of being able to prove him as being the murderer regardless, which is so unfortunate because I do think that it was him. I don't really see it being anyone else. There are some theories and some rumors that floated around during this time. Like I think rumors were running rampant at this point just because such a high profile politician was involved. Um, There were rumors that he got her pregnant and that's why he had her killed or things like that. There were rumors that his wife did it because there was like a tube of lipstick found near her body and they were thinking like they met up to talk and things just got out of hand or something. It's funny because there's actually a Law and Order episode based on the situation where at the end of the episode, it turns out that the wife had her killed and Condit's wife, Carolyn Berry, wanted to sue the network for um, making that episode. But I think it was tossed because it's like there's no way to prove that they were actually portraying you. But I feel like I loosely remember that episode, but I kind of want to go back and watch it. There's so many episodes of Law and Order, so I don't even know. Um, there were also rumors that like she, the government was involved and had something to do with her death because she knew too much about the Timothy McVeigh case. Like rumors like that, like they had her killed. Um, rumors that she was in a sex ring because Condit hired someone to kill her, and the hitman had like a sex ring and. It was like a newspaper had like an anonymous tip about this and like ran with it. And he ended up trying to sue whatever media outlet ran with this story. Um, It was dismissed. um, So he couldn't sue them. But just a lot of rumors that went around during this time that were very interesting to think about. I feel like it's pretty cut and dry. It's just super messy with, you know, being able to actually prove someone's guilt Um, Which is super unfortunate for the family. I mean, obviously, they went through a lot just with the spotlight being on, like, the fact that their daughter had an affair with, like, a married congressman and, you know, all that they went through to try and get answers and to try and figure things out only for the police to fuck it up. It's just super unfortunate. But I do know that the family did a lot to help um, other families that were in similar situations as this was going on and after everything happened. So. That was really good on their part. But yeah, that is the case of Chandra Levy. Wow, that was a lot to take in. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's really, really tough when cases go from like solved to unsolved, I feel like. Yeah, it's also hard when it is a big, large profile case because then you do come up with all of this kind of, as somebody might call it, fake news. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm sure like to this day, people who only saw people who only saw the news about Condit and like don't know anything about Guandique might still be thinking in their head, like, oh, he had something to do with it. Right. Um, he dropped the political career and uh, he opened some Baskin Robbins in I want to say Arizona, which did poorly. So he ended up closing them. And I think he's a lobbyist in California now. Okay, interesting path he followed, but <laughs> <laughs> this case makes me want to watch Scandal again. 
Oh, I never actually seen that show. <gasps> Allison. Allison. Okay, this is stop. No, so since Nate's watching making me watch Game of Thrones, I'm he said I could make him watch something after, and I'm making him watch Scandal because I think it is one of the best shows ever on television. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Okay, fine. I'll watch it. I'm talking. You just to have you. to stop. And I feel like me. it's not it's it's not too much for Max, so you guys could both watch it, but it's just like the way that they try and portray like what actually happens in real life is just like, oh, it's so wild. So wild. I'm going to go off on a tangent, so I'll stop. (laughs) Yeah, that was my episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I did enjoy. Thank you so much for all that insight, even though now I have no idea who did what (laughs) or where. I'd like to think that we have an idea, but... Wonder I what he's been really doing do. in I wonder what he's been doing in El Salvador. Yeah. We'd like we need to check up on that man's. Probably nothing good. Oh my god, I just yeah. got my credit limit increased. They need to not do that. I should not get that ever. <laughs> Stop. The way you blushed a little bit though. I literally my face is red. <laughs> like who me? Oh my god, me? Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I almost said watching. They do not want to watch this ever. But thank you guys so much for listening and continuing to listen. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen. Love all of you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And we're not going to keep you too much longer. So we'll catch you on the next one.